Every life has a story, and every story is worth sharing. Your story, my story, and our story speak of victory and defeat, joy and sorrow, resilience and vulnerability. They are not just our story. They are Christ's story in us. They are Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Well, hello and welcome to Kingdom Stories from Down Under. I'm Nathaniel Costia and today I have a very special guest. And I don't always read a full biography of somebody, but for this particular lady, I feel obliged to do so because there's so much richness in this and I don't want to miss it. And I want you to get the full story of this beautiful uh, lady we have at Kingdom Stories. I'm talking about Joylene and I will be discussing with Joylene. Joylene is an indigenous uh, person of Australia and is descended from the Narijeri and Kayateti people. This is going to be a tough one. I'm sure you will correct me with that. She has two daughters, seven grandchildren, five great-grandchildren, and one great-grandchild on the way. She's very wealthy. Joylene's mother passed away when she was five. Being an Aboriginal person, Joylene came under the Australian policies that took and kept children from their families. And this led to a life of grief, abuse, and trauma. Jolene became a Christian when she was 15 at a youth camp in South Australia where the pastor was speaking on discipleship. Years later, God revealed his love to Jolene in a very special way. This backdrop led to the desire of Jolene wanting to become a psychologist. Jolene is a registered psychologist and graduated as a mature age student from Curtin University of Technology in Western Australia in 1995. She has worked in the Ministry of Justice in the prison system with prisoners at risk has been a member of the Western Australian Parole Board, a tutor at the, Austra- at the Centre for Aboriginal Studies, Curtin University. Also has been guest lecturer at numerous universities, Murdoch University, Edith Cowan University and Curtin University. Joylene accompanied the National Inquiry for the Removal of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders' children from their families in 1996 and then developed and facilitated healing workshops nationally. This led into facilitating training and healing workshops to senior workers in the Australian Public Service and numerous Aboriginal community organisations. From May 2001 until December 2013, she worked with the Australian Indigenous Leadership Centre in delivering a range of personal and professional development sessions in their Certificate and Diploma level courses. She conducted various sessions entitled Stress Management and Leadership, Conflict Management, Healing Workshops, Body, Soul and Spirit, and grief and healing in Indigenous communities. She's currently working with the Psychological and Counselling Service at Curtin University, counselling students, involved in her own practice as well, is registered with a number of employee assistance providers, and is called out for critical incident debriefing, and is counselling in the areas of trauma, grief and loss. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our show, Joylene Komati. Joylene, what a beautiful biography. I sh- I'm sure it could have gone on for pages, for pages more. But it's just amazing, amazing to see how far someone can come when, when they want to serve and just love people out oh, there, oh. especially their own people. That's right. My, <clears throat> my one desire is always to spend to lead people to the Lord. Yeah. Uh, because we have a God that's very loving, God, mm. very caring. He's he's just yes. at the same time, and 
his judgment can come quickly. Yeah. But he doesn't make his judgment come quickly. He's very merciful and he gives us Patience. chance after chance um, because he loves us and he's merciful. And he wants, what's most amazing is that he wants a relationship yeah. with us. Yeah. He wants to be our friend. He wants us to surrender to him, to just do what he wants to do. Yes. I, I think the most amazing thing is that <clears throat> the creator of this universe yeah. loves us, loves me. That is beautiful. And you experience that firsthand. I have. And you see it every day. I do. <laughs> yes, I do. Um, um, as I said in my um, profile, um, I died, uh, my mother passed away when I was five. Yeah. Do you remember anything? I just remember, I think it must have been an ambulance yeah. out the front <clears throat> of the house taking her away. Yeah. Um, I do remember her laying down a lot. Mm -hmm. um, she must have been sick. I haven't got the full records of what was wrong with her, but I um, just know from records that she died of bad kidneys. Yeah. Um, I can remember living in a tin shack. Um, it wouldn't have been any bigger than this room. It would have been smaller than this room. And hessian bags hanging down and iron for the walls. Yeah. And I can remember a bed <clears throat> in the corner of the room where my mother slept. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it wasn't a fridge that we had, it was a, like a box with a hessian bag yeah. for a <clears throat> refrigerator. Um, where was this? This was in Berry in South Australia, so okay. I was born in Berry in mm -hmm. South Australia on the River Murray. Yeah. Um, uh, when my mother passed away, uh, <clears throat> I can remember the welfare coming and taking us, um, my brother, I had a younger brother, uh, taking us to a place in Adelaide. Was uh, Your dad wasn't around? No, my father wasn't around. My mother and father had separated. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> so um, I had asked welfare officers, where's my father? Yes. I can remember asking and... Um, one welfare officer told me, <coughs> your father's passed away, dead. Uh, another one told me, your father doesn't want you. So when you're young, you you don't know the answer, so you can't do anything, you just let your thoughts... Have you known your father? Have you yes, him? I have. In my story, I'll... <coughs> share that. I'll share that. No, no, but at the time? No, I didn't know him at the time. Okay. No, no, I didn't. Because my mother and father had separated, so... So they brought you to Adelaide? Mm. Were you at the funeral? Um, no, I didn't go to the funeral. Uh, welfare just came and picked us up and took us to this home. In uh, Berry or in no, Adelaide? No, in Adelaide, in Adelaide itself. I can remember them come, welfare officers coming in a car, picking us up. Both and you and your brother? My brother and I. Mm -hmm. And um, took us, it was a place called Sussex Street... Mm -hmm. in Adelaide. If any other Aboriginal people see this, they might um, identify yes. with that home. There were lots of Aboriginal children taken there. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> um, and I, my first 
memory of that place was of a woman feeding me. Um, I was on a chair and a lady was feeding me. I was crying. Of course. My mother, we'd just been taken away. My mother had passed away. Um, <clears throat> and I couldn't um, stop crying. And this lady was just shoving food down my throat with a spoon, just opening my mouth forcefully and shoving food down my throat. I vomited and um, the lady whacked me across the head, told me to shut up and I landed on the floor. Mm. This little girl of five. Yeah. And I can remember when I was on the floor um, thinking to myself, I will never cry again and I will never cry in front of anybody. Yeah. So I made that vow, yeah. that decision, at five years of age. And I didn't cry. Um, and you'll hear later on in my story what happened. Um, so from there then, the welfare took us to a elderly lady's home. I think this lady, from what I heard in later years, she was a friend of the welfare officer that yeah. took us away. So, and in those Both days... Of you. Yes. At yeah. least that was the good part, you were with your brother. For then, yes. Yeah. <laughs> For then, yeah, we, had, we started together. Um, so we went to this lady's place. And in those days, you got paid lots of money if you looked after children. They like foster children. children. Yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, we were looked after by this elderly lady. From what I can remember, she was a lovely, kind, gentle yeah. lady. The only problem was I had to go to school. Mm -hmm. So in those days, there was lots of teasing. Yeah. Bong, abo. Yeah. Um, Racism. Well, so I'd be sitting in the classroom and someone would call me a name. Well, I would retaliate. Yeah. So I would get Hit. up. Yes, get up. Um, whack the person. Yeah. Um, and of course, I would be the one that gets put in the corridor. As you would. <laughs> not a good way to handle your emotions. But by now I'd made up my mind not to cry. So yeah. anger was the, the emotion that took over. So um, I would then get put out of the classroom, in the corridor. Quite often I'd go out into the playground. And I can remember playing with ants and little insects yeah. um, in the playground. So, uh, and then when the kids would come out of school, because I would grab them, I'd know when the, when the bell went and I'd end up at the door of the classroom because I would grab them, I'm the ones that had <laughs> teased. Not yeah. very nice, but I'd grab them, punch black eyes, blood noses, little girls rip their clothes, rip their dresses. Yeah. So, of course, parents complained, came to the school. Yeah. Of course you would if your child's gone yeah. home with a black yeah. eye, <laughs> bleeding nose or something. So the parents would come. So then the next thing I remember is the welfare officer coming and picking me up from the school, taking me back to yeah. North Adelaide, to yeah. this home. Yeah. Didn't say goodbye to the lady, didn't say goodbye to my brother. So mm -hmm. didn't see my brother for many years after that. So you were, you were separated then? Yeah, we were separated then. Where was he taken? He stayed there. Oh, he stayed with her? He was a good little boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he fitted the mould. <laughs> no, that was my brother. 
funny part now is he turned out with the lots of problems. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I haven't had lots of problems. But <laughs> so where did they take you? Um, they took me back to North Adelaide to the okay. same home. Sussex Street. Yes, yeah, Sussex Street. And there um, people came to see if they wanted to adopt foster you or, foster you or adopt you. And I remember you had to look very nice. You had to Behave. have your nice dress on and <laughs> hair done and walk nicely and talk nicely and do a few twirls, you know, so people would look at you. <laughs> Uh, and all this, I resented it at of the time. My, my anger was building. Yeah. My anger was building up. So, um, yeah, then a family came along, fostered me, and I went to live in Elizabeth in yeah. South Australia. Just north of Adelaide, northeast. Oh, yes, yeah. And I was there for seven years. Um, they were reasonable people, but... Um, and a family? It was a family. Did yeah, they have they, other children? Yeah, they did. They had, um, I think when I first went there, they had two children. Then they had another little boy, mm-hmm. um, and he was spastic. He had calipers. He was born um, with his legs not a little bit Formed. twisted, mm-hmm. and um, he had to have calipers and do exercises. So they had three boys of their own. Yeah. They had fostered another Aboriginal girl um, and myself. Um, and the other Aboriginal girl, she was a lovely little girl. <laughs> <laughs> she was sweet and lovely. But she used to get me into lots of trouble. She would um, pick holes in the wall yep. by my bed. Yeah. So you get in trouble. And I would be the one that got in trouble and she done it. Yeah, she would do lots of horrible things. <laughs> and I would be the one that got the pro- got in trouble for it. Yeah. Um, so um yeah, so there was there was a there was physical abuse there in that home and mainly smacking? Yeah, yeah, with a belt. Okay. Um, and other things. Razor strap. Sometimes electric cord. (laughs) But that was common uh, everywhere. It wasn't just uh, because, you know, you were in that family. Mm. I mean, back then, kids used to get smacked more than they do today. Uh, Yeah, not so viciously, though. I was black and blue. Oh. I was black and blue from here to here. Yeah, so... so. A lot of wounds. (laughs) A lot of wounds, yes. Emotional and physical... Yeah. Yeah, so. We laugh now, but at the time it wasn't funny. No. So I ran away from there oh, you did. three times. So I ran away the first time. They said, we'll give you another chance. And ran away you would have been, what, 10, 11? Um, I was about seven now, seven to 14 okay. for these seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I ran away the first time. They said, we'll give you a chance. So, uh, but if you run away again, you can't stay with us. Where did you run? Um, I just went into Adelaide. Um, I was naughty. I took money out of the lady's purse yeah. so I could get Caught a bus. Caught the bus, yeah. Then got a train up to... Um, the city? I don't think there were trains. I think there were buses. There were buses up to, yeah, to Adelaide. And I just walked... It was like a train, that bus that goes on that special yeah. line <laughs> <laughs> on the tracks. Yeah. So I just would walk the streets. Yeah. Um, of Adelaide, sleep in the toilets, okay. uh, 
I would sneak into the pictures yeah, watch to movies. watch a movie. And what would you eat? Or oh, you didn't mm. care? No, I didn't worry. I, I must have had something, because I had money, so okay. I must have... you could have bought something. I must have bought something, yeah, I can't remember, but I must have. But I got caught out in the pictures, the police came in, so someone would have seen me, yeah. a young girl, walking into the pictures. Yeah. No ticket or anything, so... Yeah, so they dubbed you in. So they would have reported me, fair enough. Um, then the police would take me back to the police station um, and question me, um, <laughs> rather viciously. Um, wasn't nice questioning. Yeah. I was whack over the head if you don't answer. This is going late into the night and I'm tired yeah. and I'm falling asleep and another whack over the head. Um, and half the time I didn't know what they wanted, yeah. what they were expecting from me. Because you would have told them if you knew. Yeah. <laughs> they would ask... I can't even remember the questions, but I can remember them asking me things and I didn't know the answer, so I was say, oh, I don't know. Yeah. And then you get another hit, because you should know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so um, questioning by the police, um, then they'd take me back to the family. To the family. And then I'd do the same thing again. So that happened three times. Um, and then the third time they said, well, you can't stay with us. So they put me then in a United Aborigines mission home. Mm-hmm. That was a Christian, Christian place. But when I was in, I always had a knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. And I always talked to him. He was my friend. Yeah. Even before I gave my life to him. How did you, who introduced you? Or I you don't think know? my mother must have. You must have. I think my well. mother. Mm-hmm. Um, because there wasn't anyone else that told me, but he was always my friend. I would always kneel every night and pray to him. Yeah. Um, when I was in the foster home, I'd ask him to take me out of the home. Yeah. Take me out of here. What have you put me here for? Yeah. yeah. Why am I here? So he was like a buddy. He had, yes. he had somebody. Yeah, he was to like an imaginative yeah. friend. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I knew he was real. Yeah. I knew that then. Yeah. Um, so I think that was my mother. Mm. I think my mother must have taught me something told us something about God. Yeah. So, um, so from there in the United Aborigines Mission Home with missionaries, um, and it was quite common for Aboriginal children to be abused by missionaries, mm. Christians. So, again, abuse, sexual abuse. Already um, now. Yes. Um, I was, what, 14 now? Mm-hmm. Um, young girl developing... Um, yeah, so there was sexual abuse happening. Um, the wife of the man didn't know. Yeah. Um, then they ended up coming over to WA on furlough. Yeah. Um, holiday. Um, they stayed here. Then they ended up <clears throat> coming back, adopting me, mm-hmm. and bringing me over here. Mm-hmm. That wasn't because they loved me. That was because he wanted you. He yeah, and he. I think he was frightened that if I, sp- I would tell somebody, because yeah. he would be up for carnal knowledge. So, um, he's passed away now, mm-hmm. so has his wife. But his wife didn't know any of the things that were happening. Um, he had five children. I wondered whether I'd tell this because his girls, he, they had five daughters, so they're most probably still alive. Mm. Um, <clears throat> Anyway, um, uh, 
So, yeah, so um, they belong to a very prominent church here in WA. Yeah. Um, I went and told the pastor what was happening at the church. I was working, I started work. On my way home from work, I went and told the pastor what had been happening. Um, and him and his wife just said, well, you have to leave WA. You have to leave home. Leave WA. Um, so I, I had been working, so I had money in my bank. So How old I, were you now? So you were 17? So, yeah, yeah, I would have been 14, 15. Yeah, I'd been about that. I was working, so I was working age. You didn't finish school? Um, no, I went to um, Claremont Business School. school. Okay, you did yeah, a course. Yeah. Yeah, I did shorthand typing. Mm-hmm. wasn't good at it, but did um, yeah, like a, it was like a business course. Yeah. Um, I wasn't very good at school. I couldn't um, keep any knowledge. Yeah, I couldn't memorize. Yeah, I couldn't. No, I couldn't keep anything. Um, so I wasn't very good at school. I ended up leaving the school, walking into Perth, or getting a bus into Perth and walking around Perth, and I saw a advertisement on a window yeah. for, um, it was the Imperial Stationery Centre in London Court. This is yeah. many, many years ago, down yes. the basement. Um, and I went in and just said, look, I'd like to get a job. And he said, what can you do? I said, well, what do you want me? What would, what would be my job? He said, well, um, getting the stationery, packing it up, wrapping it up and sending orders to people. I said, I could do that. He said, all right, there's an order, do it. So I did it. Yeah. <laughs> he said, you got the job. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> so I, so that was my... First um, job. Yeah, first job. No, actually, it wasn't my first job. Um, I had another... The first job was a multiple, like a... Um, oh, I don't know what you'd call them now. But it was you... Multilith ink worker, where you put... Um, piece of paper on a roller yeah. with lots of ink, and you do lots of copies. Oh yeah, papers. yeah, yeah. yeah so that it's like a copier, mm. but it was that with that blue uh, ink paper. Yeah, very, very, very. Yeah, all. <laughs> yeah. So that was my first job, and then you'd print out all the papers, yeah. do all the printing, and then you'd collate them. So yeah. you'd put them all in order and make staple a book them and staple or booklets. Them. Yeah. yeah. So that was my very first job. Yeah, uh, and then I think one lunchtime I went into Perth and saw the job for, at the stationery centre, and I thought, yeah, that look, this looks better than what I'm doing now. Mm. So yeah, so I got that job. Um, so I was working there. So that that gave you the possibility to save some money. Yes. And then the pastor said to you, he he didn't address the man. No. He just said it's best if you it's leave. It's best that I leave. Yeah. So, I mean, he, the man was a pastor in the church, so yeah. they were co-pastors. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah so, um, so you left? You, you took so I life. left, yeah, so I got... Did he um, challenge him or not? Not to my knowledge. Many, many years later, I met a lady in that church. Um, and she said, I remember you. And I said, oh, hmm. She used to live next door to these people. She yes. lived next door. Yes. Yeah. So she said, you disappeared. I said, yes. She said, I can guess why. And uh, 
So I let her tell me why. And I said, yes, that's right. And um, she said, well, the church said that you were a naughty girl and you ended up pregnant and you had to leave. So that was, it was a lie. Yeah, of course. It was a lie. So it's sad that there are mission. There were missionaries and yeah. this was quite common. Mm. Um, I think the sad part is that <clears throat> the missionaries, they're supposed to love God and they're supposed to be showing the love of God. Yeah. Um, that's harsh. So, but that's up to God to judge, um, to judge them. Um, I was angry. I was, I was angry about a lot of these things that happened. Um, nothing I could do at the time. But God looked after me. Yeah. God blessed me. So when I was in the pastor's house, we had rang the YWCA back in Adelaide. Yeah. And um, the Young Women's Christian Association. And it was a lovely Scottish lady mm-hmm. that was in charge of that hostel. She said, when you get here to Adelaide, come ring me and I'll come and pick you up. Yeah. Which she did. And that was in Carrington Street. It was only a five-minute drive. Yeah. So from there, so you went by bus or train? A train, train, yeah. I got on the train, went over on the train. And she picked me up from the railway station and she looked after me. Mm-hmm. She was like a matron, yeah. motherly, nice, gentle lady. Put me in a little room <clears throat> in the YWCA. It would have been about quarter the size of this room. Yeah. Um, and I was frightened. Oh, it would have been 17, perhaps 18. Yes. And um, I wouldn't move out of the room. I would just stay. I had a bed and a wardrobe and a little dressing table. And I don't know how many months I stayed in that room. And Mm. I had money for my board. I'd paid board, sent it over before I'd got the train. And I had enough money for board. And um, she used to bring, get my meals brought up to me because it was a, um, young woman's place and you, everybody had their meals in a big dining room yeah. but I was too scared to go down to the dining room so she'd um, get the meals brought up to me um, and then there was a um, Irish lady that came into the hostel, a Christian yeah. Irish lady so Mrs Luke said to her can you go up and talk to Joylaine see if you can get her out of the room so she'd knock on my door and I'd just sing out, what do you want? Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. Um, she'd say, can I talk to you? And I'd say, what do you want? Yeah. Uh, she said, I just want to talk to you. She said, um, and I said, well, talk. what do you want to say? <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, she, she just used to, I can't remember what she said but she used to talk and that was it and then gradually I opened the door and, um, and then she came in and sat on my bed so this happened over a period of a few weeks months yeah, yeah. patience patience yes yeah, so she came in did she share the Lord or just no help she, you she just out? talked to me yeah. yeah just asked me my life which I wouldn't tell her anything I think I made up a story nice story no yeah. <laughs> Lies. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then eventually I went down to the dining room. She said, mm-hmm. come and have yeah. come and have um, dinner. 
So I would go down to the dining room and then I got to know all the girls and then made lots of friends and there was always noise. So Mrs. Luke was always saying, Joylene, please quieten down with a big loudspeaker. So I made lots of friends. So life got better. Then yeah. Jean, that was the Irish lady, she, we walked to church to the um, Assemblies of God, which was on Carrington Street, just about um, half an hour walk mm-hmm. from the hostel. And uh, I just used to listen to the messages. Um, I'd given my life to the Lord in South Australia when I was 15. Before you came here? Mm, before I came here. Yeah. Um, the man, it was a Reverend Bottomley that spoke, whose mm-hmm. name was Reverend Bottomley. And he just painted such a good picture of who Jesus was. And he talked about Jesus' disciples. And he said, we could be a disciple of Jesus. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to be, I can remember just passionately, yes, <laughs> that's what yeah. I, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. Um, and I want to tell others about Jesus and that he died, <laughs> that he died for them. And he, he talked about the, the cross and Jesus dying and Jesus rising again. And, yeah. and, um, and was alive now, and rose from the dead and was alive now. And I thought, yes, I, I, it just resonated yeah. in me. And I just thought, yes, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. Mm. And tell others about Jesus. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that was that. That was when I was 15, but lots of things happened yeah. in my life. Uh, but I used, I can remember reading my Bible, reading a Bible, and um, reading Ephesians and Galatians and thinking, just understanding, not understanding, but not understanding. Yeah. And it, it was just exciting. The word yeah. was just exciting. Yeah. In um, talking about the spirit and talking about um, love and joy and peace and um, not being angry and and I was still angry. Yeah. But I and I knew I shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, but I wanted this love and joy and peace. Yeah. And I didn't quite know how to get that. Mm at that time so but I can think oh this is nice this is lovely and this is how life should be Mm. Um, so yeah that was when I was 15 so then the years went by and all these things happened Um, so where was I so you're back in Adelaide um, back in Adelaide going to the Assemblies of God on Carrington Street yeah that's right then met my now ex-husband got married had two children, um, life was just a mess. Was he Aboriginal? Yes. Did yeah. he know about the abuse you experienced? Yeah, that was my mistake, I told him. You and told he, him? As a man, he couldn't take that because... Did you tell him before marriage or after marriage? After, after marriage, yeah. So he that was hard for him to, to take, that yeah. all those things that happened. Um, and he thought I was this pure little girl. <laughs> yeah. Young. Yeah. You know, and I wasn't. I'd been, you know, abused. So, um, yeah. Was he a man of faith? 
No, no, he wasn't a Christian. He is now. He so why was. did you marry him when he wasn't a Christian? I mean, I'm not saying this yeah. in a judgmental way, yeah. but by then you would have had a, a sincere walk with God, didn't you? I I knew about God. Yeah. I'd given my life to the Lord. I believe I had been born again. Yeah. But I wasn't... I wasn't... Well, I married a man that wasn't a Christian. Yeah. So I wasn't... Um, I wasn't really obeying, so yeah, I wasn't you, obeying yeah, the Lord. Yeah, I understand this. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I married him, had two children, um, uh, yeah, I'm just thinking of him as I'm saying this, because if he hears this, um, uh, I've told my story so many times That's and fine. I've always said to him, can I tell my story? I never told him I was doing yeah. this one, but he always has said to me, yeah, just tell your story, it's okay. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so I went through a bad time then. Um, he was drinking, um, there was violence, I was DV, and my little, my girls then were two little girls from the, uh, up to one and two years of age at this stage. So I <clears throat> was in a lot of depression mm. by now. I was really depressed. Used to think of killing myself. Mm. Was on Valium tablets. Antidepressants. I went to the doctor. Yeah. Was on Valium. Um, I hadn't resolved anything from my yeah, life. No, no. No, I hadn't. Just covered it up. Yeah, it was just. Clogged. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so I was suicidal. Um, life was just a mess. I would just want to lay down and go to sleep and not wake up. And that's what I used to do, just go to sleep yeah. in the daytime. Very fortunate, I had a friend who used to come and visit me. Uh, and she'd say, Jolene, come to church. And I'd think, I'd say, I've been to church. Um, and I was, I was um, pretty bad at that stage too. Um, I was actually committing adultery as well. So I was really, I was full of guilt, full of shame, full of anger. <clears throat> um, and she used to say to me, come to church. Yeah. And I'd say, what for? Um, I'd say, yeah. Um, at that time, I thought I was going to hell. Yeah. Uh, I said, there's no hope for me. I'm finished. Yeah. I'm going to hell. What's the yeah. use of going to church? Yeah. So, uh, but she kept on. She was, she was persistent. So I went along. And it was Bethesda in Adelaide. Mm -hmm. It was a healing. They were healing services on a Tuesday or Thursday. Yeah. I can't remember which day. Anyway, I went along and um, went to the door. Someone put out their hand and welcomed me. Welcome, Joylene. Yeah. Now, I hadn't cried until all this time. From Sussex Street, from yeah. the covenant you mm -hmm. had made. Mm -hmm. This woman shook hands with me and said, welcome. Tears started to come. And I couldn't stop these tears. <laughs> I'm walking into the church and I'm thinking, 
stuff like you know, my throat's sore because I'm trying to hold back what's happening and the tears are coming. Sat down on the chair, and the pastor was preaching. Pastor Vacker, he was preaching, and um, tears are coming. And all I was aware of was God telling me He loved me. Yeah. Still brings tears to my eyes. Mm. The mess that I was in, I was full of guilt. Yeah. I was full of shame, mm. I was full of anger, I was full of fear. Yeah. Uh, fear of going to hell. Uh, fear that people would know what my life had been. Yeah. The shame. Yeah. Everything that my fear was that someday somebody was just going to reveal everything yeah. <laughs> that had happened to me in my life. And would just um, show me up for what I was, this angry nasty person mm. and if you looked at me in those days I was, I'd spit at you mm. so what are you looking at and yeah and I'd spit at you anger anger, anger with everyone anger, anger. Mm. yeah terrible so love uh, pain mm, love yeah pain. yeah yeah it is all we really want to do is be born into a nice little family yeah and just have a mum and dad to love you, mm. brothers and sisters. Mm. Just have a normal life. That's mm. all I've ever wanted all my life. Yeah, is that? So, um, yeah. So here I am sitting in the church crying, and aware that God is just telling me that He loves me, mm. and that just experiencing that really that grace and mercy yeah. like I had knowledge of yeah. him and I had a desire to follow him but I couldn't I was too much of a mess yeah I was had all these messed up emotions so I couldn't so here now God's telling me that he loves me and it doesn't matter you know what I've been doing and I just get this sense of forgiveness and just God's grace and mercy. Poured on you. Mm, yeah. So I cried for months. and All the tears they were bottled up. Yeah, well, they were. They have been bottled up for years. So I went in my room one day and I said to my friend, I'm not coming out. And I said, until I know what God's doing, what's happening in me. Yeah. So I went into my bedroom and I prayed and just stayed on my knees and said, I want to know what's happening in my life. Can you tell me what's happening in my life? Mm. And I opened up my Bible to Isaiah 54, verses 4 to 8, and it says, um, Fear not. Um, was it Fear not. Have we got a Bible anyway? I can't remember the... Lots of Bibles. It's okay. <laughs> Isaiah 54, verses 4 to 8, and it was, Fear not, you will, you will not be put to shame. I am the Lord your God. Yeah. Um, uh, you won't remember the shame of your youth. Yes. Um, the reproach of your widowhood. It was like, because my husband and I had gone through this terrible time. Were, were you still together or...? Um, no, we weren't at that stage because um, 
I found out that he'd been unfaithful and I was unfaithful and to him and it was just a horrible mess. Yeah. So, um, so the girls was, stayed with you? Yeah, so the girls stayed with me. Yeah, my girls stayed with me. Um, and my ex-husband had been through a lot in his life of course. as well. Um, so we were just both a mess. Um, uh, you yeah. couldn't help him, he couldn't help you? No. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I had this experience with the Lord. God was telling me um, not to be afraid. Um, yeah, um, yeah, that my shame would be forgotten. So it was the main emotions that I felt, the fear, the guilt and the shame, God spoke to me in yeah. Isaiah, those emotions I mentioned. They were the emotions that I had. The fears and the guilt and the shame. So then I thought, well, that's good. Okay. Um, I don't have to feel ashamed. And I felt relief, yeah. felt a certain amount of relief. And uh, that was good. But I still wasn't, I still didn't have my answer. And I went on a few more weeks and I'm still crying. And, and I think, well, what is all this crying? So I went in my room again, said to the Lord, what is this? Yeah, thank you that I don't have to be fearful, that I don't have to have the shame. You've taken all that away from me. Yeah. Um, and, and the Lord said, I am your husband. That's what he told me in these verses, verses mm -hmm. 4 to 8. They're beautiful verses, Isaiah yeah. 54, 4, 4, verses 4 to 8. So then I opened up my Bible again and it was Ezekiel 36, 36 mm -hmm. and verses 26. Or might be Ezekiel 20, I always get it mixed up. Um, and they say, and those verses were, um, I'm taking the hardened heart of stone out of your flesh. Beautiful. I'm, and I'm taking the hardened heart of stone and I'm softening your heart. I'm giving yeah. you a heart of flesh. flesh. Yeah. And I'm putting my spirit within you. Yeah. And you'll walk in my spirit. And, um, Forever. Mm. Yeah. So I thought, oh, that made perfect sense. Yeah. I was content. Yeah. Well, thank you, Lord. Okay, that's what you're doing. You're changing yeah. my hardened heart of stone into a heart of flesh. And um, I was satisfied. I was content. Well, okay, thank you. That's, that's the answer that I needed. So <clears throat> that was it. So that was... I suppose a turning point of my life. I yes. didn't see a psychologist. I didn't have counselling. Didn't do anything. It you had Jesus. The, that was purely yeah. The His of ministry God. to you. Yeah, that's right. And healing, healing was happening. That's right. That's right. So that you know the crying, um, yeah, and the softening. And I think the healing itself was just in knowing that God loved me. Yeah. Just. It's funny how love merciful. love heals everything, doesn't it? It does. That's all. I mean, that's yeah. what we really need. We yeah. need more love. Yeah. That's right. And God is love. Yeah, and that's God His very nature. Love. When you have that's God, right. you have love. Yeah. That's it. So. So did you get um, off the medication of Valium? Yeah, or? I was off the. I got off the Valium. Um, life just kind of changed. Um, I was happy. I was joyful. 
all my friends and neighbours, Jolene, what's happened? Yeah. You know, you, it was that you, vivid. You're happy. You're joyful. I, I think I took... Then happy uh, bills. <laughs> <laughs> then every person that I met, I took along to church. So oh, we had... You became an evangelist. The, half, half the church was full of Aboriginal people and the other half. <laughs> so, so I started saying to Aboriginal people, look, we need to mix in the church. Yeah. This is a bit of con- segregation here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that was a really... And there were lots of people that came to the Lord yeah. that just came to church, just loved the church and and came to the Lord. And, and um, we had Bible studies and we had sing-alongs, you know, people played guitars and we just praised the Lord and... Uh, this was just in houses. Yeah. This was just, it just happened. Yeah. It just happened. Um, As it should. Yeah. Yeah. And your <laughs> girls were growing up? My girls were growing up, yes. Um, you couldn't work because you had to look after them? Yeah. Oh, I did work. I worked in the prison even then. Oh. Um, I did work. Yeah. My girls were, um, when they went to school. Yeah. So when they went to school. So what were you doing in prisons? Um, counseling? Yeah. Not counseling, just, um, yeah, just talking, just yeah, visiting. Yeah, visiting, um, just seeing if they wanted anything. So it was just, um, yeah, just talking, just talking. So, um, so I'm just thinking. Um, you asked about my father. Yeah. So if I wind the clock forward quite a bit. Um, so you came back to Western Australia. So I came back. I. There were big um, Christian conventions, Aboriginal Christian conventions in Port Augusta every year, every January. Yeah. And um, my ex-husband was kind of going to the races every Saturday and doing stuff on Saturdays. My husband, ex-husband did come to the Lord. Um, after, when I came, when the Lord had given me the experience of showing me that he loved me, yeah. Um, my husband came, my ex-husband came home mm. and he said, I want to come home. And I said, I don't know if I want you home. Um, I don't want to go through everything all over again. But I prayed and I said, Lord, what do you want? And I heard the Lord say, take him back and take him back as he is. Yeah. So I said, all right, Lord. And so he came home and the first Saturday we sat down to have an evening meal and he said, Jolene, I promise you I'll never drink again. He said, I'll never touch another drink. And he never did from that day on until this day. He just stopped Mm -hmm. completely. He didn't give his life to the Lord for quite a while, a couple of years. So I was praying, praying, praying for him. Then he gave his life to the Lord. Um, But there was too much. We'd hurt each other too much. We just couldn't seem to... Get it together. We couldn't seem to just get it together. So, um, yeah. Okay. So from. So did he stick around, or? Um. He did. Um. He stayed. Like I said, that yeah, he was going to the races and doing stuff on a Saturday, and I wanted to spend Saturdays together as a family, and um, he wouldn't. He'd go to the races, so. I, he wasn't a Christian at this point. So he, um, <laughs> we had a big passageway in our house. And yeah. He walked up the passageway. He said, I'm going to the races today. I said, you do that and I won't be here when you come home tonight. Me and the girls won't be here when you come home tonight. Mm. 
ha, ha, ha. He walked up the passage laughing. Yeah. And I thought, right. I'll show you. <laughs> well, my friend was there that lived here in WA. And she, we were, she was going through to the convention. She said, Jolene, if you'd like, you can come to the convention. Yeah. I said, yeah, that's, I think I'll do that. That'll be good. I haven't been for many years. So I did. So I packed so you got the on case. the train? No, they had a oh. Holden. She had a Holden. She had a Holden. <laughs> <laughs> so we drove from South Australia. So you crossed the Nullarbor. To Port Augusta. The convention was at Port Augusta. Oh, Port Augusta, okay. And then she said, well, do you want to come back to WA with me? And I thought, oh, why not? So I did. So I came over here to WA. With the girls? Yeah, with mm-hmm. the girls. Yeah. And left him? And left him. At the races? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he would have come home that night with no wife and kids. So I remember ringing him and saying, ha, 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 right up the passage. <laughs> like he wouldn't believe that I wouldn't be there that night. Yeah. So anyway, um, there were lots of things that happened and we, um, we just didn't, we just couldn't make it. We just could not do it. So, um, yeah, so I'll, I'll rewind, I'll go past a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, came back to WA, um, I did the bridging course at the Centre for Aboriginal Studies at Curtin University. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, learned all uni. about, sorry? Got into uni. Got into uni. And did psychology. Yeah, but before that, I, in doing the bridging course, we learned all about the policies in mm-hmm. Australia and, and um, culture. Yeah. So I realised a big chunk of my life had been missed. Mm. Um, I didn't know my culture, I didn't know my language. I hadn't understood all the policies yeah. before that. Um, so I realised I'd made a mistake. I had met my father in Port Augusta um, at the conventions that we used to go to. There were a lot of Aboriginal people there and we were all sitting around in a circle one day and and some of the elders said to me, Jolene, who was your father? And I said, told him his name and they said, we know a man by that name. There was another older Aboriginal man there and he said, I know a man by that name, Jolene. Do you want me to check and see if he's your father? So I said, yes. So he did check up um, and he rang me a week later to say, this man is your father. I'd given him some particulars. Yeah. And he said, yes, this man is your father. Would you like to meet him? Mm. Of course, I said yes. So I drove to Port Augusta mm-hmm. and met him. And... Um, he was in old asbestos house, he was coming down some stairs and he tripped, he had a walking stick and he had cataracts on his eyes and he had a um, hat on his head and uh, he tripped as he came down the stairs and all I could blurt out at that time was, why didn't you come and get us when mum died? died yeah. And he picked, a, picked himself up and he said, there's tears streaming down his face. And he said, I tried to find you, but the welfare told me you're better off without me. So. He had no chance. He had no chance. So, but at least at that point, I knew you could that he tried. Him. You could forgive him. Yes. Yeah. Well, there wasn't anything to forgive because he tried. Yeah. So that helped me. 
I understood then what mm. had happened. So, um, so he said to me then, come back, meet your people and learn your language. Mm-hmm. And because missionaries had told me that our culture's bad and evil, I said no. Biggest regret of my life. I said no. Because I believed that. I believed what the missionaries had told me. Yeah. That your culture's bad and evil. And we've got a beautiful culture. Of course. You know? I could have went back with my father and yeah. learnt my language, yeah. met my family yeah. and had my place in my, in my family unit, in big extended family unit. Yeah. So I didn't do that, but when I was... Uh, and I said no, and he came back and stayed with me in Adelaide for a while and then, then left, and that was the last... Then I didn't see him anymore. Yeah. So then when I did do... Um, cultural studies at Curtin University, I realised I'd made a mistake and I set, rang up Mr Mack, Family Warren Mission. I mm-hmm. said, can you see if you can find my father? He said, give me a couple of weeks, Julianne. So yeah. I rang him back in a couple of weeks and he said, sorry, your father passed, passed away. away. <laughs> Left it too late. <laughs> Left it too late. Ouch. So... Um, I'd have to say that's the biggest regret of my life. Mm. Um, not doing that, not going back with him when he wanted me to go back with him. Um, and he would have been sad that I didn't, that I hadn't gone back with him too. So, um, I think that's the other part in my story that's important. That if you haven't had a father. It's hard to understand that fatherhood of God. Yeah. You know, God as your father. Of course. It's difficult to to understand God as your father. Um, God gave me that experience of his love. Yeah. And that's that was really good. But there's sometimes... I struggle continually with um, not feeling good enough, feeling like I have to um, do something. Yeah. I can't. It's very hard just to accept. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what's my part in it? Yeah, yes. Yeah, I know he loves me. I know God loves me. But there's that. I think our part is not to resist it. <laughs> so I think fathers, if there's fathers listening to this, I want to say to you, you play a very important role in your children's lives yeah. because you've got to be a loving father, you've got to give your children loving instruction, yeah. and you have to be there for them, you have to spend time with them, you have to be there. Yeah. Because I think a lot of our young people today have got problems because they haven't had a good father. That's right. A a mother's important, yes. Of course. Very important. But I think a father, so many of our young people haven't got fathers and I just think that father role is so important. I think it's the greatest pain of this land, of this country. Mm. Mm. It's a fatherless country. It is, it is. I say to people, you know, 
Australia is in free fall. Mm. Fatherless, faithless, and feminine in some way. Mm. Yes. You know, we're losing, yeah. we're losing the battle. Mm. We're losing the men. We've destroyed yeah. families. Yeah. That's right. Because the father, he can be strong and tender and loving, but he needs to give that guidance and it's yeah. that discipline, that loving discipline yeah. that a mother can't give. Yeah. Like, I'm a grandmother and I've brought up my children. And grandchildren. And grandchildren. And great-grandchildren. But, but we're too soft. Yeah. We're too soft. And there needs to be... A firm that, voice. There's, there needs to be that discipline, that needs to be that... Firm, you're right. There needs to be that that firmness that only a father can give. Yeah. So I just like to encourage fathers to be there for your children, um, and to give them that guidance and love, and to be firm. You can't you can't just have softness. And yeah. it's taken me a long time to learn this. I'm, 70 this year. <laughs> it's taken me 70 years to learn. You can't just be soft. Yeah. There has to be the balance of discipline. Yeah. Of, of discipline with love. Yeah. Um, and discipline is love. Yeah, yeah. You can't just be, give the kids everything they want. Yeah. When they want it, you're just going to bring up a lot of spoiled brats. Yeah. And that brings its problems um later on because if you don't say no to your kids um as they get older um there's going to be more problems and they'll feel entitled to everything that's right sense of entitlement and that's when they end up in jail and they haven't learned it when they're young it's much harder to teach them when they're older no now Juline, obviously you have a beautiful um tribe now (laughs) <laughs> in in the extended family. Yeah. Um, what would you like to be remembered by? What would I like to be remembered by? Um, so when they talk about mom or grandma or great-grandma? I just think that she loved us. Um, um, I mean, I'm, I know most of my grandchildren already know um, that I'm a Christian, that I love the Lord. Yeah. Um, and I suppose that's what I'd want to leave for them is um, just give your life to the Lord. Just um, know that God loves you. Yeah. But with, like we were just talking about, there's love, but there's also... Um, I think with Christians today, and I think a lot of churches don't preach, when you give your life to the Lord, yeah. you can expect blessings. However, there's always a, if you will, if yeah. you love me, keep my commandments. That's right. There's always a if. It's not... God loves us and we can do let us we do anything we want. There's um, obedience that comes. That's right. Remain in my love, abide in me. That's right, yeah. that's right. So I think I think there's a battle that goes on. We have our spirit, we have our soul and our body. Yeah. The spirit becomes alive when we give our life to Jesus. Yeah. That is alive, that's 
joins God joins with us in that and our spirit becomes alive but then we've got our soul and our body and our soul and our body fight against our spirit yeah God wants to have our soul and our body as well yeah but he's he's got our spirit he got and we have to build our spirit up that's yeah. by reading the word and obeying him yeah doing what he wants you to do sometimes for instance I'm watching telly and I'll hear the spirit of God say go and pray yeah go and pray so all right Lord I'll go and pray and when I do that I have a lovely time with the Lord yeah so it's like we have to listen to him and we have to obey him yeah to do what he wants but our flesh fights yeah. against our soul and our flesh fight against the spirit so if you want to become strong in the Lord often our people often people and I talk about Aboriginal people not Aboriginal people as well you give your life to the Lord and you think nothing happens that's because you don't do anything you don't read your Bible you don't go to church you don't meet with Christian people yeah and that's difficult to make Christian friends yeah um, but for your soul and your body to come in line with your spirit you have to feed your spirit yeah um, and you have to say no to the flesh so yeah. um, you have to say no to those things that um, aren't good so yeah know that god what i'd like people to know is no yes god is love yeah but if we want his blessings we have to obey his commandments we have to do what he wants us to do Yes, I... Beautiful, Julian. I really, I really love this, and I'm, I'm taking away a lot of things uh, tonight from, from this chat and from the story. And I thank you for being so real, and just saying it as, as raw as you could. And I pray that this is uh, freeing and um, liberating, and helps you enjoy, enjoy the fruit of your commitment and obedience to God mm-hmm. in your latter years. Praise God for that. Well, friends, what an amazing testimony. What, a, what an amazing story. I mean, just to, to see a First Nation lady, an Aboriginal lady, you know, even though she suffered so much trauma in her early years, losing her mom and then, you know, living in various homes with various people and then being, you know, molested and raped as a, as a young teenager and still making it and still loving the Lord and still calling God the Father. I think it's just tremendous that the love of Jesus can transform lives. And, you know, this story is a true story of what God can do. So I'm not sure what you're facing out there and what your story is and what traumas you might have suffered and so many excuses we could have. But at the end of the day, God is our Heavenly Father, and through Christ Jesus there is restoration. And Jolene has been restored, and she loves the Lord, and she can call God her Father. And she wants fathers to be restored, and men to be restored, even though she suffered at their hands. I think this is really beautiful. So, tonight we take a lot from this, and I pray that you take a lot from this. And I will call this session, Feed Your Faith, Feed Your... Actually, I'm going to say Feed Your Spirit, Feed Your Spirit. Because when you feed your spirit, your soul and your body will align with God. And that's what we want to do. I pray that this really blesses you and encourages you and helps you carry on the good fight that the Lord has called you to do. At Kingdom Stories from Down Under, I am Nathaniel Costia. 
thank you for joining us on Kingdom Stories from Down Under. We'd love it if you would subscribe, rate and share these stories with your wider community. And remember, every story is worth sharing, including yours. Thank you.